Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Good morning again. Hey, it's, um, it's so good to be in the house this morning. For those of you joining us online, I'm glad you're joining us from wherever you are, and may you experience the presence of Jesus right where you are. Brenda said earlier that we've been in Galatians 5, and we're in this series called Fresh Fruit. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit Galatians 5.22 is the verse that has been guiding us, the scripture that's been guiding us, uh, 22 and 23. This is how it reads. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And now all together, let's read this together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. We've been talking about the fact that if love is missing, the very first attribute, if love is missing, so are all the other attributes. All these other attributes that reflect the character of Christ that we so want to have visible and evident in our lives. This morning, we will talk about Kindness, kindness. This is uh, the fifth attribute in these uh, attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Tyler Hartford brought a great word, and um, he said something along the lines of, um, he referred to the Midwest nice. And so I've been thinking about this weekend of talking about kindness and the significance of making a distinction between what is nice and what is kindness. And so he kind of teed it up for me, helped me out, and he brought up the topic of Midwest nice. So let's just, let's just define what is Midwest nice. We are in the Midwest, and we are generally, who all is nice in the room? Are you nice people? Are you nice? Okay. Midwest nice is this cultural stereotype applied to the behavior of people in Indiana as well as the rest of the Midwest. We're known for being unusually polite, reserved, or passive-aggressive. Take your pick. Polite, reserved, and passive-aggressive. I've been known to be all of those three things. How about you? Nice people. Nice people are pleasant. Nice people are agreeable. Nice people are satisfactory. Nice people are all of those things, but they also often do the nice things. They act in a nice way because there's probably something in it for me. Like if I'm being nice to you, I probably want something reciprocal to happen. Kindness, on the other hand, does not negate niceness, but kindness 
comes from a deeper, more rooted place. So kindness would be a person. If you're kind, you are also grateful, like deeply grateful. You are friendly. You are generous when you're kind. You're considerate when you're kind. And that comes from a deeply rooted place. It's not just because, well, if I'm nice to you, maybe you'll be nice back to me. If I'm kind to you, I don't have any expectations about what's coming back to me. Houston Kraft is the author of Deep Kindness, a revolutionary guide for the way we think, talk, and act in kindness. Here's what he says. Ultimately, he says, my ability to behave in kindness requires things like empathy and emotional regulation and perspective. And here's a, here's a great one, vulnerability, a scary one, but vulnerability. While say, um, you know, being nice means like I might pay it forward at Starbucks or I might hold a door open for someone walking behind me. These are all wonderful acts of niceness, but they're not really true examples of kindness. True kindness, he says, is uncomfortable and hard and a far more nuanced behavior that demands more than an easy definition that we tend to give it. Kindness is being genuinely kind to anyone and everyone. When we're kind, we, we assume that people deserve kindness no matter the differences of opinion, the viewpoints, or cultures they come from. Kindness celebrates and it serves others. It looks out for the well-being of others. Kindness is compassionate. Kind people do not display animosity, ill will, or envy. So, We've laid the groundwork, what is nice, what is kind. So what is it that gets in our way? Like, and what prevents us from living the things that we say are important? There seems to be this gap, this, this space between who we say we want to be and who we actually are. There seems to be this space between what we say is good and what we're actually good at. There's a gap between what we value and what we make important with our time and our practice. So we say we're one thing, but so often we experience, experience something different over here. We say we're one thing, but then we live out a different way. We live it out differently. I'm gonna turn to Titus chapter three. This is a letter that Paul wrote to his protege, Titus. And I'm picking it up in Titus chapter 3. It's toward the end of the New Testament, if you're looking for it. Chapter 3 reads like this. And here might be some of the answer that we're looking for that why don't we do the things that we say are important? Why don't we live it out? the way we say we want to. Once we too, Paul writes, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and evil and we hated each other. That's 
in the past for many of us. Some of us are still right there. But, verse 4 says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us, listen up, because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Once we too were foolish and disobedient because of the darkening effect of sin on the intellect. You and I, sin makes us stupid. You know that? Sin makes us unkind. When we are self-absorbed, we act foolishly. We act without thinking about the ramifications of our actions. Now, I look out over all of you this morning, and I don't see anyone that I think um, would be lacking in intellect. I think you're all pretty smart. The problem is that we are, by nature, selfish human beings. And when we live into that selfishness, in, instead of living into unselfishness, living into kindness and gratitude and gratefulness, like instead of dipping into the fruit of the Spirit, we dip into all of the things that lead us the other direction. We have this propensity toward that direction. Sin makes us stupid. Sin also makes us weak. And by the way, men, kindness is not weakness. We often look at these fruit of the Spirit and we say, yeah, yeah, I'll practice that in my, I'll do my best to practice that in my family with those closest to me. But get me out there in my normal day-to-day, -day. well, I can't afford to be kind. The best I can do is be nice. And even that's a stretch. It's a push-and-shove world. I have to stay on top. If I'm going to earn a living for my family, there are certain things I have to do. There are certain parameters within which I have to act. This is how we often think. When in fact, kindness breeds kindness. If you come into a space and you bring the Spirit of God with you, the atmosphere can change because of your presence there. It's not because of you, but it is because of the Holy Spirit in you. Kindness is not weakness. In the, in, in the book of Romans, chapter 2, Paul also writes these words. 
And I, whenever I think of kindness, my mind always goes to this passage of scripture where he says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Has God been kind to you? Like his greatest gift, his greatest kindness to us has been in the form of Jesus, sending Jesus to come as a human being, to lay down his life, to not resist the violence that was coming against him, but instead taking it for your redemption and my redemption. What a beautiful picture that is this morning again of the kindness of God to his people. I have long thought of myself as a kind person. I'm a nice guy. People say that about you. Nice person, nice woman, nice guy. I've thought of myself as a kind person. One that lives out of a place of gratitude. One that is not judgmental and assumptive, but one that is open and uh, willing to uh, connect with anyone. I'm mostly that. But it was interesting because um, this week I wrote a blog post. And um, if you go to genetroyer.com, you'll see the edited version. Because the first version that I put out there, um, I didn't follow one of my rules, which was to have Brenda or somebody else read it first. Big mistake. And um, I directly quoted one of my friends who had written something I didn't like. And she called me on it. And so publicly on Facebook, I was given a strong dose of humility. And what I said wasn't terrible, but it was judgmental. And it was, I made some assumptions about her intentions about what she wrote. And God used her to bring conviction to my life, to my intention. We had a really good, kind conversation. And, um, you know, I realized, and maybe you realize this too, that sometimes unresolved pain turns us into people that we don't want to be. Unresolved pain removed a level of kindness from my life that I had to come to grips with. Uh, the last three years have done a number on many of us. And I realized after I wrote what I did and got her response that I have some unresolved pain in my life related to what has transpired where people are really, really unkind to each other behind their screens, where people 
are devouring each other with words. And I know I've talked about this before, but in the past, it's always been other people. And I'm just telling you this morning, it's, it's very humbling when you find yourself in the very place uh, doing the very thing that you were trying to call other people out on. And that I held a grudge against people for doing it. And while I wasn't nasty in what I said, what I said was, again, it was judgmental and assumptive. And it removed that level of kindness from my life. So it doesn't have to be a really big public thing. But you guys, you know what your heart is. You know those places that are unresolved. Those places that still need the healing balm of Jesus. And I just had someone help me find it this week. And I'm really grateful. Kindness is intentional. Kindness is disciplined. It is sacrificial. It is unconditional. And it is empathetic. This is what I've experienced from Jesus. He is kind. His actions are always very intentional. It's not just by chance. We serve an intentional God. He is disciplined. Goodness, he's been sacrificial. His love for me and you is unconditional. And he's certainly empathetic. Jesus has suffered and he has experienced everything you and I could ever experience. He comes alongside us because, not because he is, he is uh, great and awesome and powerful and wonderful, all of that he is, but he comes alongside us right where we are because he's experienced what we experience. Recently, one of our friends um, lost her husband to death. I mean, he died. And, um, and when um, we went to have a conversation with her, as I hugged her, I said, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Because I know that in, often when we are in dire circumstances of loss and pain, we're not always very kind to ourselves. And we need to be. Brene Brown, if you're familiar with her writing, she says about people that um, are kind to themselves. She says, she says, they had the compassion to be kind to themselves first and then to others. You know how when you're on a plane and the, uh, they sit, tell you to put your oxygen mask on first and then help others around you? Be kind to yourself first and then to others. Because as it turns out, we can't practice compassion with other people if we don't treat ourselves kindly. Depending on how you grew up, that sounds backwards. It sounds like, well, I'm, I'm self-serving. No, you're preparing yourself. You're preparing yourself. You have to be kind to yourself before you can be kind to others. Because you and I, we are the conduit of kindness that flows from the Spirit of God. You and I, we're the conduit. He, he flows through us. He uses us to spread kindness. 
when we're used in this way, when we allow ourselves to be used, we won't have a box to put God in because the way he's going to use us, if we allow his spirit to flow through us, look, you're gonna have hard times, you're gonna have difficult things, but God's gonna surprise you in beautiful, awesome ways when you open yourselves up and allow his spirit to develop kindness in you and let it flow out of you into the spaces that you're in. The other thing that, that happens is like, we can't make God do something. What we can do is prepare ourselves and create space, make room so that God can do whatever he needs to do. We have responsibility. We have responsibility in how we, how we carry this out. After last week's talk uh, on patience, some of you uh, continued the conversation about patience with each other, and especially uh, when it comes to um, this thing of family and parenting. <laughs> I don't think Brenda and my patience was ever as stretched as thin as it was when we had children at home. And I know many of you have kids at home, and I know that patience well, patience is still a virtue, despite what you might think of it. It's still a virtue and something to be practiced. So I know that some of you had this conversation. And, um, and I know that Tyler was, was really vulnerable up here last Sunday, talking about his, the generations that came before him and um, the, the difference that Jesus has made as, he's observed, uh, as Tyler's observed his family lineage. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, to be with you. I know that sometimes, like the worship team is up here on stage, they've really got it together. Like I'm up here on stage, I've really got it together. Yeah, no, we're, we're, us, we're just people. We're, we want to be people that are at, at as vulnerable as we can be. Vulnerability is a really scary thing. And um, it brings fear up, like what are they gonna think? What are they? You know, and what we're trying to do is represent something that I hope is helpful when it comes to vulnerability, because we're all in this together. It's not just us up here, but it's all of us together. If we do this, if we do this thing of vulnerability and being honest about where we are in life, if we do this without, without, um, expectation about what happens when we do it. Well, there be, might be repercussions, but if we do it, we will live kindly. We will live with vulnerability. Uh, we'll live more wholeheartedly. We'll live with more intentionality. And we'll live letting others see who we really are, coming out of hiding, actually being honest about who we are as people. When we tell the truth about ourselves, there is no guarantee that things will get easier. When we're honest about 
what we experience and the difficulties of life and the joys of life and the when we celebrate and when we grieve, if we're honest about those things. There will still be moments of terror, moments when you think, uh, I'm going to do this, but I don't know what the outcome is. But every time you do that, you get a little bit stronger and you get a little bit more confident and you get a little bit more trusting of the spirit of God in you that will see you through to the very end. When we, when we uh, talked about doing a nine-week series on the fruit of the Spirit, we had this conversation, and it's ongoing sometimes, of how these words that describe the attributes of the Spirit are so closely tied together. And what we're hoping to do over the course of this time in this series is draw out the nuances of each of these words. Because if they're in here, they're worth considering. And I hope that you'll consider this fruit of the Spirit, this attribute of kindness and how it's revealed in your life. I didn't say this, but the topic of my blog post this week had to do with the, some of you may be aware of um, the revival, it's being called a revival in, at Asbury University in Kentucky. And part of my, um, well, how vulnerable will you allow me to be? Uh, part of my uh, writing had to do with uh, some deep-seated cynicism that I have about this sort of thing sometimes. So I'm admitting that to you. I think we all want revival at some level. I think um, we need to be careful what we call revival because revival is what happens after we leave that experience of worship. Uh, you know, it's worship when we're together. We're, they're singing, we're singing. There's, there's all kinds of things that happen in that atmosphere. And we have restore nights here once a year and we love it because there's this focused time, this spiritual fervor that happens where we recommit and we are energized and goodness i i hope for that every weekend when we get together i pray for that every weekend when we get together it's significant and it's important but we must not rely on a certain place to provide that for us because you know what god is strong in our midst right here this morning god goes he is active he is uh he goes and comes at his own will. And I know that we, each of us, when we name the name of Jesus, when we say we follow the name of Jesus, then we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so he is here this morning. Whatever's happening there can happen here. We don't have, it's more a, a, a instead of just a place, it is a state of being. I don't know about you, but I want to be revived. 
I want to live in a place where I am constantly vived. Not just revived, but I want to be vived. That's my, that's my heart. That's my hope for each and every one of us this morning is that we are not here because we've got an hour to spare. That we're not here just to experience something so that it'll, you know, jazz us up for the next 15 minutes after we leave. No. This is heart change. This is life change. This is full transformation. That's what Jesus is about. That's what he wants for you and I. Would you stand with me? It's your kindness, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. That's what the scripture says. Scripture tells us it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. God doesn't carry a big stick like some of us thought. God isn't waiting to oppose us on every side. But God comes alongside. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.